With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowan, so I'm joined this afternoon by Ashley Priest and Pat Rowe. Ash, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, all good, mate. Yeah, um, I'm well. Spoke to Gerard a short time ago, so lots, lots to go through, mate, but yeah, all, all's good. Lovely stuff. Pat, you've been to the gym, so how are you? Oh, yeah, I'm you? Yeah, I am. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's been an exciting few days covering Villa. Yeah, it's a weird one, really. I've been, I've actually made some notes for a change. I don't know, we're going to do a bit of a transfer special, uh, you know, the state of play for the transfer window, whatever. I've decided to title this later down the line. And I kind of forget that there's the game against Man United coming up because it's a Monday night, which, is, again, is still weird. Uh, so let's get that out, kind of out the way, first of all, I guess. And you just said, actually spoke to Gerard earlier today. He's pretty Man United presser it was um, first of all how was he and what kind of you know vibe did you get from him what kind of mood was he in uh, and we'll talk, talk about Man United first yeah Gerald was very relaxed today um, I've seen a few clips he's speaking to Sky Sports reporters and the broadcast section he, he goes you can be I can be here all day if you want if you want to keep asking me Coutinho questions and stuff like that I'll give you the same answer it was quite funny today Gerard. very very, very good uh, very relaxed and um, he's pleased to get his teeth stuck into a match on Monday at Old Trafford, a place we'll probably get a bit of stick at as well. But Gerard has very good value today. He's looking forward to the challenge ahead and didn't give too much away as he as he normally doesn't, to be honest. But um, yeah, his, his Coutinho answers were, were very funny um, and they're quite telling as well. I, was, I think Villa, it's clear that Villa are in for him and Gerard didn't, didn't bat them questions away. So yeah, lots to take from it and Villa will be boosted by the return of Ollie Watkins and Tyra Mings on Monday as well. So All's well in the Villa camp at present. There's loads of comments coming through already asking about Coutinho and transfers and all that kind of stuff and our thoughts on various players. We will get to that very shortly. Let's just uh, have a couple more minutes on Manchester United. Obviously, second time we'll be going to Old Trafford this season. We've already won there once. Uh, Gerald did again today and a couple of times has mentioned about going strong in the FA Cup and wanting to go far and and having a cup run is a good thing to to build confidence and stuff like that. Um, Pat, if you were picking the team for Monday, what kind of style would you select? As I recall it, uh, last time we went to Old Trafford, Danny Ings had quite a good game, I think. And after the it's display at the uh, against Brentford, I think him and Wendier, it'd be interesting to see if they start again, get start build up some chemistry. If uh, Coutinho signs before then, who knows? Maybe he'll make an appearance. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm going to the game, so I'm quite excited about seeing it. Uh, I, I didn't watch the United versus Wolves game, but I've got a mate who's a Wolves fan. He said they absolutely bathed them from uh, start mm. to finish, and. Then that's a bit of the uh, that's what everyone's been saying to be honest. So I think it's a good it's a good time to have you know it twice in, in a week to be honest. It's interesting that Gerald has asked about whether Jed Steele's starting goal. Um, he said he hasn't made his mind up yet, but uh, I expect it to be Martinez in goal. I'd go really strong. I'd go as strong as possible. The only dilemma dilemma Villa have, like Pat mentioned, where, where does Ollie Watkins fit, fit back into the team? So I mean, I've noted down a quick eleven now. I've got Martinez, Cash, Kansa, Mings, and and Target. I think. Ashley Young broken, broke a uh, fractured toe. He's given him some jip, so I'd like to see Ashley Young back in it if he can, but I think Target probably fits in there given Young's injury. 
I'd like to see Morgan Stanton get a start. He didn't have a start at Brentford. I think this is a good, good chance and a big pitch at Old Trafford to get about a bit, get some match minutes into his legs. So I'd see a change in midfield. Whether that Douglas Reed drops out, probably, or, or Jacob Ramsey, one of them two. But yeah, McGinn, Sanson, and then one of Jacob or Douglas, and then it's a, up front. What do you do up front? Gwen Dean and Watkins beyond Ings. It hasn't worked previously with Watkins in that position. So I'm intrigued to, watch, I'm intrigued to see what people hear, what people make of the attacking formation with Villa, Villa will go with. But I think I think it goes strong. And I think Watkins comes back in, likewise Mings. Yeah, I think you go strong. I don't imagine Man United play their first eleven in the third round of the, of the Cup. Um, obviously, there's problems at Man United at the moment with, with them. I saw an article the other day about you know, sort of kind of senior players at the club not being That's sure whether Ragnick's the, 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 the... Yeah, it's not right, the right man for the club and stuff like that. So, good time to play them twice in a week, like you mentioned, Pat. Um it's kind of stupid hypothetical question here. If you had to, if you could only win one of the two, the cup or the league game, which one would you pick? I'm, I'm still going for the league. I want to progress as really? much as I can there. I, I, I am. I love the cup and I'll never put field a weakened side in there, but I would go for the league. I want that eighth spot above. I'll go. I'll, if I could only win one, I'll win the cup. I feel like you're the same, Ash. I am, yeah. Cup win. Yeah. We beat Man on Monday. I don't mind. Yeah, I'm going for the cup. A uh, very quick prediction for Monday and then we'll talk about transfers. I think it'll be a 2-0 win because they've got a few suspensions, I think. I don't know if they're available mm. for that game. And uh, I think they'll put a week inside out and I think we'll do them. Yeah, 4-0 Villa, walking through <laughs> Phil Jones, and Radnick will resign after. <laughs> I'll note the time down for that to clip it out after that happens. Um, obviously, a big talking point in the press conference was Coutinho. I saw a clip on Sky and it, I think it was the first question that was asked, correct me if I'm wrong, Ash. Uh, that's the, the big talking point at the moment. As you said, Joe, I kind of batted it away. But the thing that I noted is that uh, this is such a bizarre thing to, to note, but he reeled off the number of caps that he had for Brazil. Yeah. It's like a very specific yeah. thing. Like, yeah, he's got 63 caps for Brazil. And I was thinking, <laughs> that's the thing you only know if you've done your research. Like, exactly. That's just like a, a thing that oh, we don't know anything about Coutinho. Like, yeah, he's a good player, but whatever. To know how many caps he had for Brazil specifically, maybe we think, well, they've cleared on the research on this guy. Yeah. I mean, who else could you name with how many caps they got for another country? I mean, that's such a minor thing to read into, but it just it tickled me. Um, obviously, he went on to kind of wax lyrical about him, called him a magician, all these kind of things. So let's get our thoughts out of the way first before we go on to the, the kind of realism aspect of this transfer. Would you take Coutinho, Ash? Oh, yes. If you're asking me, yes, I would take him. Just um, a high-caliber player, isn't he? I'm trying to think of one that would... Uh, such a high-profile signing we've had in recent years. I can't think of one, maybe Janino, when he, when he would have come in the, in the 90s. And just a, such, a, such a... What a sign it would be. A statement of intent. Um just everything about him. I know he's he's not he's not at his peak at the moment, but I think Gerard's the man who can get him get it out of him. And I think he will rub off on the other players in the squad as well. I think Wendy would, would improve tenfold working with him as well. Logs of Ramsey's and I think it'd be such a such a big signing to pull off. Um I'd, I'd snap your hand off for him. The only question now is Villa can get can Villa get the deal done with his, with, with the wage wage packets and what are Barcelona saying? But as it stands, Villa Villa are front runners. I've seen a piece yeah. over in Newcastle with the Chronicle and our colleagues. Katina has been offered to Newcastle as well. So clubs are in for him, but I think I think the Gerard factor, the Gerard pull, I think that, that may just get it over the line, you know. And I mean it's an exciting one. You can't not be excited. I've seen the whole lot reels. I'm on board with Gerard with this one. I think an exciting one. It could be a real coup. And um he, he's got something to prove as well. He, the Qatar's at the end of the year. He needs to be performing well. 
And yeah, I think good point. I think Villa could be the place for him, you know. Really excited. Yeah, we talked on the last episode about like a, a loan signing in the forward areas of, of Lingard or Deli Alley. If it's Lingard, Deli Alley, or Coutinho, Coutinho every day of the week over the, over those yeah. two for me. Yeah. Um, how much of how much do you think will be a factor the, the Gerard factor, Pat? You know, I think that from what I've seen, I think it's BBC Sport. They've linked him with Newcastle, Everton, Arsenal, Spurs. Yeah. And I think maybe one other unnamed club, which you would assume is Villa. Now, yeah. uh, Arsenal, Spurs, you would wonder about about game time, maybe for, for him going there. Um, wages for Spurs. I don't know whether. Daniel Levy would do a deal like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Newcastle obviously got money to spend, and and if he goes there, it's a it's a money factor. But then you think, well, they're bottom of the league; it's a relegation battle. Is that something you you want to get get involved with? And Everton is the obvious Liverpool link, isn't it? So you know, Villa are a serious option there. And then obviously, when you factor in the Gerrard thing as well, how important do you think that will be? I think there's two major factors in why I think I wrote a piece on it earlier about why we're a perfect match for him. To be honest, I think his time at Liverpool. Gerard was really close to him. I think it was last, it was Luis Suarez's last day of the uh, of his time in Liverpool, and he he told Gerard he went, "Oh, he needs to look after Coutinho." And then after that, I think if Gerard was injured or Gerard was suspended or anything, he'd always make sure to look after like text Coutinho or something. And then there was another there was a a, port, a report from ESPN, I think, that said Coutinho is quite a shy player, so he's found it quite hard to like settle in different stages of his career. That's probably why he struggled in a bit of a turbulent time at Barca a bit. But in terms of settling in the club, I think the factor of Gerard, like you said, that he kept texting him and stuff, I think it'll be a big factor. And then there's the added uh, like point that at Barca, he was kind of brought in to replace Iniesta like in centre mid. And that's not really his position. Like He needs the ball yeah. at his feet in the uh, final third and on the left side. And if you're th- talking about sides that have lost a ball carrier on the left side of the pitch, mm. that want their attack to run through that, I, don't, I think it's pretty obvious that Villa have a gaping hole in that area. <laughs> so I think that's two major factors that it kind, of, it kind of makes perfect sense, to be honest. I mean, the other comments you look at are he's, he's 29 and he hasn't really hit the heights that everyone thought he would after the 142 million transfer. But I mean, two years ago, he was on loan at Bayern and, and I think it's 23 appearances, eight goals, six assists. If he does that in the second half of the season for Villa, it's a similar impact to Lingard and everyone's, you know, raving about him. So, it's one hundred percent for me. I think if we can get him firing, I think Ger- and I back Gerard to do that. I think it's just an amazing signing. Yeah, if your club career is Liverpool, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Villa, you still a good player, aren't you, to go through those clubs <laughs> and to put Villa afterwards? Um, I was going to make a point there about where he fits in, but you've kind of said about the, the yeah. not kind of number ten left hand side, which makes perfect sense for Gerard's system. Kind of something very bittersweet about the fact that pretty much every interview Jack Grealish has ever done mentioned about <laughs> how he based his game off Coutinho and now we're replacing him with Coutinho. <laughs> it's so strange. You mentioned there about. Being you know 142 million move, which is massive. His wages, someone's just saying in the comments, is 380 grand a week. Whether that's true or yeah, not, not, I don't know. But you, you'd imagine it's a massive amount. Whether we're paying the full amount, the loan fee. I think Barcelona want a kind of mandatory future fee put in there, and whether that's a stumbling block. block. So as everything with these kind of podcasts, we're talking now about it as if yeah, oh yeah, we're really excited when tomorrow we you know tune into this podcast and we realise that the deal's <laughs> off and he's going to Newcastle or whatever. So take everything with a pinch of salt to a degree. Is there anything that concerns you about him, Ash, in terms of fitness and form stuff like that? That he, he isn't the player that he was at Liverpool, but just because you don't fit in at Barcelona doesn't mean you won't fit in at Aston Villa. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's lost his way at the new camp. I think, I think Xavi's made him available to, to leave as, as an impressed. And it's like, it's confidence is everything, isn't it? You rediscover your confidence. You, you're, that, you're that £140 million player again. And if, if, there's a, if there's a man to do that, it's Gerard, his mate, the, the friends, the good friends that speak all the time. And 
you're going to put that little bit extra in, aren't you, on the training pitch, and you, you want, to, want to do your mate justice, and Gerard will move heaven and earth to try and get him to, to the body more reef, and Katina will be quick to repay him, so I think I think the, the manager-player relationship is huge in this one, obviously Gerard's made contact with him, we all know that, that's no big surprise, so I think that the, the manager factor is huge, the Paul, I don't think Dean Smith would have, would have made this sign, I think we could agree on that one, so that Gerard wants to bring the elite to Aston Villa. It will raise standards immediately. Make, make others, whoa, we've got, we've got, to, we've got to stand up here and, and put it in. Um, but I haven't got too many concerns other than can he rediscover that form? And if he's confident, if the player's confidence, if Coutinho's back, back to his best, he'll be doing that. So I think I think the, the uh, relationship between Gerard and Coutinho, massive. How about the concerns for the players that are already there? Because obviously there's only so many attacking players that can fit in. If you've got two number 10s and a striker, we're already talking about how do Watkins and Ings fit in together? How does Brendia and Bailey fit in together? You know, Trezeguet, El Ghazi, Traore. And you throw mm. Coutinho in there as well. You know, Does Coutinho hinder Brendia's playing time? Do they play together? Is this Ings up front? Is it Watkins as the second 10 with Ings up front? And then how do you fit them all in? Uh, how, how does that work? Do you think I'll let you go for that pack? So you've got a raw smile on your face, so you deal with that question. <laughs> it wasn't a smile of like being content with it, it was a smile just that like, I have no idea. But um, <laughs> in terms of Wendia, I, I can see them playing together. So, like, you've got Ings or Watkins up top, and then you've got the two number 10s that he likes to play off with, yeah. like that three, four, three, two, one type formation. I think if you can get him back far into the levels he was for Bayern a few years ago. I think it was like five shot creating actions a game. And then obviously if you've got Danny Ings on the end of those or Ali Watkins, but obviously Danny Ings is a bit of a better finisher. I think we discussed that on the last one. Then I think the chances are going to come. I think that's been part of the limitation for Ings so far. So we're just not creating enough chances for him. I think the most shot creating actions this season for Villa players is Buendia with three. So if you've got Coutinho averaging five, I think it's a big jump. It's a big help as well. But yeah, uh, in terms of development, you probably look at the, how it's going to hinder the Carney Chupameka situation for me. So would he look at this and be like, okay, they're investing in the attacking areas, the attacking midfield areas, and I'm not going to get a look in. I'm not going to develop. I'll, I'm not signing this new contract. I think he can play as a midfielder as well, but I think that was, as I said, part of the problem at Barca. So I don't think he'll be directly competing with like your likes of Louise and Sanson and that kind of, or Ramsey and that one. It is the wider players and you probably would see the likes of El Ghazi and Trezeguet kind of like shifted out slowly from the club. I think El Ghazi's linked with West Ham. I think I've seen mm. a few links to that. So yeah, a few will probably move out if he comes in. Yeah, it's a bit of a domino effect, isn't it? Once once one signs and two signs, you start to see things move a little bit. Um, Gig Sharma says, has he signed? The answer is no, so let's move on because this could all be <laughs> totally out of date in a couple of days anyway, as the, uh, the rumour mill goes on and on uh, the second player I wanted to talk about and there's people asking about uh, you know realistic targets and stuff like that uh, if we could pick three who would they be I like the three names that we've that we're going to speak about to be honest the second one is Luca Dean obviously from Everton left back uh, signed a deal in February but it's kind of been you know, ousted a little bit by, by Benitez since some of that they definitely want to sail and think he's worth 25 million which kind of feels a touch steep but he's proven and comes in and is immediately you know um, Premier League ready would it be one that you'd welcome you to? Is he is he an upgrade on target? Is that kind of the money you expect Villa to to spend on a left back, or is this uh, all all a bit of rubbish? Dean's available to to be to be got at. I think Chelsea linked with him as well, given Ben Chilwell's injury. Yeah. So um, he's a player who's available. He's a player who'll be on Jan Langer's list, and they'll, they'll be assessing that one. But I can't see I can't see that one coming coming off. To be fair, I think the, the one we'll mention shortly, Aaron Hickey, that, that's the one we'll we'll get over the line. I believe so. Luca Dean, yeah, massive, massive player. 
nearly got 50 caps in France as well. Been around the block, Roma, Barcelona. And um, he was a decent player at Everton as well, prior to that fallout. So he's one who's available to, to, to be got at that. But I can't see Villa move, moving, moving, moving plans to go and get him. I think left-back is, is an area Villa want to target, obviously. And Matt Target's the one. He's probably underwhelmed of late, hasn't he? I think I think people will agree with that one. Matt Target hasn't been the one of, of last season and of old. So he needs some competition to bring him on. And I think Villa, Villa will address that in this window. And I think Aaron Hickey's the one Villa will go out and get. I think Hickey's well-known to Austin McPhee. Pair work together at Hearts. Hickey's come up against uh, Gerard's Rangers. And he's 18, 19-year-old. He's, he's bagged a few goals in Syria. Doing really well. I think long-term, I think Hickey's the one to come in. And it could be this month, yeah. I think Sky said that Chelsea, Newcastle, West Ham and one unnamed club were linked with him. And again, you probably expect Villa as the unnamed club. Newcastle loads of money to spend. Chelsea have got uh, injury problems at left-back. West Ham also, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I, t- I think if it was 15 million, uh, you'd be looking at that as a, I think he's 28 or 29, and go, yeah, proven, mm-hmm. better than that target. That yeah. makes sense. 25 million for a player that you're probably not going to be able to make any money on in a couple of years. Know that quite fits the mould, and when you compare it to Hickey, him to Hickey, sorry, I'm not sure whether it makes that much sense. And yep. Pat, I know you've written a lot about Hickey and looked at stats and stuff like that, so yeah. I'm going to hand over to you and, and let us let you explain whether he'd uh, whether he'd fit in. Yeah, I think he definitely fit in, and that's probably it's a different kind of tactic. I think it's probably what we've been trying to do in previous years: is buy for a future resale value or just to develop the player. To be honest, I think with Dinier, it's you buying a player that's going to give you two years of success and an instant improvement. But with Hickey, it's buying a player that can compete with Target but I don't think he comes into the starting lineup for I don't think this season because I've got his defensive stats here so Target 2.4 tackles Hickey 1.4 Target 1.83 in interceptions Hickey 1 Target 2.5 blocks Hickey 2.2 Target 2.7 clearances Hickey 1.5 so I just don't think he's ready defensively to do the same role as Target but in terms of going forward I think he's a, a I think no there's not, not a fullback across Europe's top five leagues that scores has scored more goals excluding penalties than him. I mean, he's both footed. I think averages 26 passes with his left, 13 with his right. Scored that screamer with his right foot. He floods forward. Yeah, he's good on the ball. He is kind of like the image that you you picture with a uh, a Gerard fullback, the one that floods forward. But I think they'll slowly mould him in. They'll build in stature similar to Jacob Ramsey, and eventually will be able to do the defensive role. But at the moment, if he came in, I think he'd just be competition for target. We're like looking at about eighteen months, maybe be starting. But he's impressed, as uh, Ash said, he impressed Gerard at Hearts when he came against Rangers. I think they tried to sign him before he went to Bologna as well. And then they've kept uh, track of him, and I think it was reported today that we've approached him for that, but I'm not too sure. But yeah, Dinier, I, I know you mentioned the twenty nine thing and the resale value, but. I think the main issue people had is that he didn't have enough pace. And I've always thought that the, one of the best left-backs or the best teams, not the best left-back, but one of the best teams I've watched was when Stephen Warnock was overlapping and he didn't have any pace. So he had <laughs> a, like, a bit of a final ball on him that could get a ball into the strikers in the box. So Dinier solves that issue that Villa don't have uh, much creation from the full-backs. And when we do, the, the final ball isn't that good. But yeah, I'd take either of them, to be honest. Hickey's a bit of a one for the future and an instant impact but yeah either would be decent the third player that was on my list uh, there's been a big list of seven or eight players and I've kind to whittle it down into three different positions um, Romeo from Southampton uh, 30 years old again just doesn't really fit for me but he's the only midfielder really that I can think of that's been linked 
apart from Zakaria, Zakaria, who we signed on Football Manager, so you know we're ahead of the game anyway. <laughs> um, Southampton just had a, a takeover, haven't they? Or, or new ownership or new investment or whatever it was. So one of their first tasks is going to be to sell one of their midfielders. Is, does that make sense? So yeah, one that's been been doing the rounds, but for me doesn't really add up. Ex-manager Dave Smith really liked Vermeer. He was close to joining in the summer, but the deal couldn't be done there. So whether Villa have reignited their interest, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, I'm not getting many, much names out of the defensive midfield position at present. Struggling for any leaks of information in terms of Villa's shortlist, but it's one Villa want to strengthen and area Villa needs to strengthen as well. So yeah, I mean, I mean, would you be happy if Villa went, went into February, March, April without signing the central midfielder? Would they be able to cope for you two? I don't think so. I think if Nakamba's still fit, I mean, there was a stage when Nakamba wasn't in the side where I thought, well, Villa probably need a midfielder anyway because you upgrade Nakamba. I don't think he's that good. And then he got back in the side and, and looked brilliant. So you thought, oh, we probably don't need one now. The fact that he's got injured means that, you know, to go into the rest of the season without a proper DM. Yeah. You know, Louise can't do that job. He's, he's not cut out for it. He's better further forward. You've got to get a DM in there. I mean, that's the priority. I mean, Coutinho yeah. might be this nice deal that's available and this nice kind of flashy player, but if you don't have a proper midfield behind him, it's, it's not going to work anyway. Yeah. So definitely yeah. go out there, get a proper DM, whether it's, you know, you have to pay a bit, bit extra to get him in January. Just do it, get get it, get the deal done, whoever that is. Uh, Matt Smith says, Zakaria, Hickey and Coutinho, and you can push for top eight. I mean, that is a, a very, very good transfer window, especially mm-hmm. in January. Talking about Zakaria or Zakaria, I've never got the pronunciation. So if you know, Pat, that'd be great. But again, yeah. I know you've done some some research and some stats on, on how he lines up as well. I think it's Zakaria. I think, yeah, he's just a, a solid. It's probably exactly what Villa need to be in to put in that midfield, to be honest, and allow the likes of Louise and McGinn and Ramsey to all be pushed forward. In terms of if we were going to sign someone like Romeo, I think it'd just be like a stopgap signing. And kind of would, yeah. would kind of like hint to me that like he might be trying a different formation. Like I think Villa have trialled the four-two-three-one against Watford and Southampton, and the key part was just someone who's going to sit in front of the defence and like just anchor it. To be honest, so if he's thinking oh, I'm going to try and switch some things up in a certain games, I just need a defensive midfielder that can play in a double pivot, just the two of them. And maybe that's what he's going for. I'll try and go for like a Coutinho. Maybe Danny Ings drops in, so just off the striker. And then you've got Bailey or Buendia on the right. The three like centre attacking mids type things. Other than that, yeah, I think Zakari is probably the best one we've linked to, but I'm not too sure how how likely that is. I think I've, I've seen that Bayern, Dortmund and United are all after him as well. So it'd be a dream one, I think. I think it's probably the one the fans want, but... Yeah, it's a bit of a long shot, I reckon. Well, if we can get Coutinho, who knows what could happen. Um, just back to him very briefly. Jason says he believes that Coutinho will choose us over Newcastle. Bear in mind, we've got Martinez and Louise, a South American contingent. And Alistair says that Jesse Lingard will be worth a bid. Can't seem costing that much with his contract almost up. I actually think that uh, Lingard will end up at Newcastle. He'll be the, the attacking midfielder they go for. Yeah. Obviously, we don't know, don't know anything concrete, but I think I think Coutinho will end up at Villa. I think just the way oh, yeah. had that concept. No, nothing. No, <laughs> certainly don't know. I've been at home in my bedroom all day. I don't know anything. Um, just so that sneaky kind of glint in Gerard's eye. That that yes. fact that they're mates and stuff like that. It's just if Villa have got the finances right. Um, and and we can sort out the deal with whatever Barcelona want. I mean, they need the money. They need to register. Uh, Torres don't know so they've got to get rid of Coutinho mm. one way or the other if it's also Newcastle it's us isn't it? I think Matt Smith it's not an exclusive I promise you I know absolutely yeah. nothing it's just yeah. a gut feeling um, let's move on away from transfers a little bit and maybe more, more towards outgoings uh, Aaron Ramsey again don't think that, don't think he's the fit again yeah we've got mm-hmm. a better Aaron Ramsey anyway um, imagine having two Ramseys two truck makers three Ramseys 
Three Ramses, yeah, of course, three Ramses. Uh, anyway, onto Villa's best eleven slash backup eleven. And I've got a graphic for this that I made earlier, um, and there'll be a bit of subjectivity to whether this is Villa's actual best eleven. But I'm going to flash it up anyway and talk you through it for the podcast listeners. We've got Martinez in goal, Cash, Constant, Mings, and a new left back <laughs> would be our best eleven <laughs> on uh, on paper. Uh, new DM would be our best defensive midfielder. Like with the injured, yeah. Yeah, he's very good, mate. Uh, McGinn and Louise is your other two midfielders, and then Coutinho as the left attacking midfielder. Emmy Buendia off the right, and Ollie Watkins up front. Um, back up, you've got obviously Steer and Sinisalo as goalkeepers, which just didn't fit on the graphic, but they do exist. Uh, Kessler Hayden right back, um, a new centre back would be your backup centre back after Twanzabi leaves. Courtney Hawes and Matt Target becomes your backup left back if we sign a new one. Marvis Nakamba after returning from injury will be your backup defence midfielder. Sanson and Ramsey is your other two midfielders who, you know, they're getting minutes to call those backups when they're playing is, uh, you know, shows how much squad depth Villa have got. Uh, Leon Bailey, of course, a big massive signing in the summer. He's now a backup player. And Bertrand Traore and then Danny Ings is your, your second strike. I mean, that's a good second side, isn't it, to be honest? Never mind. A, a good first side, sorry. Never mind calling it a backup. I'm disappointed, Dan. Where's, where's the Champions League music in the background here? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good squad, isn't it, really? And it's yeah. written down like that in front of you. There's definitely things you can improve, but that is a good base considering where we where we were a couple of years ago. Plenty of quality there. All good ages as well. I mean, excited to see Kessler Hayden return next season. A really good good squad. Obviously, the under-23s are coming through as well, which helps. And But like Gerard said, I had a couple of elite players in there, a couple of world-class players in there. They'll complement the youth as well, who are improving all the time. And like you say, we've got, we've got a decent squad there to, to kick on. So, covering all positions, I think Villa will need to address a couple of them in this window. Left-back, we mentioned, centre midfield as well. But not too far off, Dan. Um, yeah, I think, I think Villa are well-stocked. Just need to go the extra mile now. I, th- I think... The owners, Nasser, Suarez and Wes Edens, they'll back Gerald to the hilt again. They'll give him what he what he needs in terms of funds and he, he wouldn't have signed otherwise, would he, Dan? So I think Gerard you get a free round and I think Villa onto something. Is that the best eleven, Pat? Or is, is Ings in your best eleven? I don't know. It depends. It's one of those. Whoever grabs it, grabs it, I think. I think when Ollie Watkins was playing up top on his own, he looked stellar, holding the ball up. They've got different like aspects mm. that like are better to their games, I think. And you could probably play that to your strengths as you go into each opponent, to be honest, because it's not a one-size-fits-all league, is it? So games where you need to make the ball stick up top, you probably play Watkins. Games like Brentford, where we're just we're going to be threading balls through from Buendia and Coutinho, possibly. <laughs> you probably want Danny Ings on the end of them because he's probably going to put more away than Watkins. But as I said, the depth is just unreal. Like, I've seen a few comments saying, yeah, it's time to move away from Trez and uh, Amaral Garzi. And you're probably right, to be honest. But yeah, I, I don't know what the best eleven is, to be honest. There's a comment there from Adam who says, I think Dan's been on the beers and someone else saying, I'm talking rubbish for having the camera as a backup. I mean, that's only a theoretical as if we sign a new defensive midfielder. Nakamba doesn't start games, does he? Because the new man has been bought in to fill that position. It's, I mean, to call it backup is probably the the wrong word, isn't it? It's competition for places to say that yeah. target automatically just becomes some squad player you don't care about isn't isn't strict true. But if you spend twenty five million on Dean, target is mm. your backup. If you spend twenty million on Zakaria, Nakamba is your backup then because you spent that money on, on a new starting player. Um, a couple of players that weren't mentioned in that list: you got El Ghazi, Trezeguet, and Ashley Young as your kind of senior players. Archer, Philogene Bades, Chuck Maker, and Louis Barry. Out of those uh, seven players I've just named, how do we assess those in terms of leaving, potential loans, sticking around for backup for squad players? Mm, interesting. I think I think Chuck, Chuck Maker stays. I think I think that's a given. I think Louis Barry will probably head out again. Get some minutes for him. 
yeah, diff difficult one for our guys, isn't it now? Um, I can't see way back for him. Um, I should think get on the pitch at Brentford, despite the two lads going to Afghan. I think Joe wanted, wanted to have a look mm -hmm. at both Trezeguet and Troy. Um, but yeah, I, I spoke to Gerard today about Trezeguet um, and Troy as well. He wants them to come back in February and, and to help Villa push on. He wants them to be involved. Um, so I think they stick around until the summer at least. I think I think it's up to them to prove it, prove their worth to Villa because I think I can see Villa going big in the summer. Um, I think I think next season's the one for them to go out full hammer. And um, I think Joe will be back back handsomely in the summer window, as he will in this window, I'm guessing. But um, yeah, uncertain future for Al Ghazi. I think Archer, Cameron Archer, you mentioned, I think he needs a loan deal. Um, and he, yeah. he needs to play some football because I like him. I think Pat's, Pat's seen him at uh, MK Dons away, didn't you, Pat? Really mm -hmm. good finisher, isn't he? Uh, yeah. He needs to be out playing football. So a couple of loans out for the youngsters. And I think I'd obviously kind of chuck me to stick around a little bit longer. Al Ghazi, uh, it was pretty telling that he didn't get on the pitch against Brentford, wasn't it? He just sat there waiting and he's the one staying and not going to the Africa Cup of Nations. But Trezeguet and Bertrand Traore are playing. I think he'll be off. I think there's a few, I think he was linked to Roma as well in the summer. I feel like every time there's a transfer window, Trezeguet is kind of linked to a return to Turkey, I think his, his first club was. So I think Galatasaray and Fenerbahce are always, always trying to... Get a bit interested in that move. As for that, yeah, Cameron Archer, I think he needs a loan, loan move because I saw him at MK Duns. He just, I don't know what his strong foot is, to be honest, because either way, he just looks stellar. Every single shot is just the finishing he possesses is just unnatural, to be honest. But um, yeah, and I watched him at Chelsea as well. The, the header that was right in front of me. So he's proven yeah. he can do it at the very high, highest level. So if he gets some games under his uh, belt, yeah, the sky's the limit for him. New deal. He needs to start playing football. I think Louis Barry, I don't know what's happening to him. I heard Swindon go join up with um, Kessler Hayden. That'll probably be, that'll be a nice link up. But yeah, I'm not too sure about the rest of them there. Do you two agree with the comments that I'm being harsh on McCamba here, calling him a backup? I mean, if we sign a new, a new defensive midfielder this window and he plays for the next three or four months, he is first choice. Nakamba yeah. is backup squad player competition rotation, whatever you want to call season. it. I think That's it's said three to four months is what they said originally, which, but yeah, it's effectively out for the season, isn't it? So am I being harsh? I, I agree, he's been very good under Stephen Gerald, but he's unavailable. So whatever mm -hmm. word you want to call him as being second choice behind a new signing is what makes him back up. Oh, it's, it's a bad injury as well, Dan. He takes time to come back from that one. Knee injury. Yeah. He's had surgery. That puts him back. Good for him. He's, he, he was the best player under Gerard. And Gerard gave an interview. This guy he said, uh, I sat down with Marvellous. I just look at this, he called it scanning. So Mar Marvellous now, the camera's now getting his head up, looking around the pitch. And, and you can see that on the on the pitch with his performances. He's he's picking the right passes now. He's, he's not not rushing his work. And such a shame that he was, he's had a season-ended injury. Um, mm. It's Villa's luck, isn't it? Really, a lot of calls they had previously with, with Wesley. God bless him. And Leon Bailey's yeah. had a setback as well. So it hasn't been good on the injury front for Villa. Players coming into form, then having setbacks. So um, I think you're right to, to put him in there. I think if anything, Nikamba's cemented his his place in the Villa squad now. Whereas, whereas yeah, for sure, yeah. Looking previously, I think everyone's thinking I'll probably get rid of Nikamba. You know, I think we need to mm. kick on without him. But now, given his first half of the season, he's very much in in, in Gerard's long term plans. And um, so yeah, roll on his return. I think he's a big player for us moving forward. Good age as well. And he's flourishing under Gerard, and long may that continue. But like you say, I think Villa needs to address that area of the pitch. It's pivotal um, in terms of mm -hmm. Villa going forward. They look a bit leaky at the back. You need a middleman in there to snuff the danger out. And against Brentford, that was that, that was the problem as well. And um, 
Yeah, we need to get one sooner rather than later. I don't think Douglas is the answer in there, like we've said, Dan. Morgan Sansan, can he do it? I'm not, not, not too sure. I, I think, think so. Him further forward as well. Just on Louise very quickly. I'll run out shortly. Um, a couple of you know, tra- uh, deals running out. Courtney Hawes, uh, one of them. Louise, uh, new contract rumours. Are you laughing at Ash? What's for the? New contract for Louise. Oh, I don't know what you laughed at. I'm no, going to get to no, there. Um, <laughs> what do you make of Louise part in terms of his ability and, and giving him a new contract or not? And Ash, you can compose yourself for a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's really frustrating because every time we start to see a run of games for him in a position that we like, it's, we haven't actually seen him have like 10 games in in the like number eight box-to-box kind of role or just like a freer role. I think he was he was against Man City, he was really good there. I think the Everton game under Dean Smith, he was really good there. And then we've had to just slot him after the Nakamba injury, we've just had to slot him back into the number six role. So it's, it's quite frustrating that we've had to do that, to be honest. And... Uh, so if we can sign a DM and, and push him forward, then we can finally see like a good run of games where we can see what he's capable of. But until then, I'm not really sure. I don't think I'd be selling him. I think his, his potential is mad. Like Guardiola saw something in him. Just I don't think they could get him re- registered with his work permit. So there's a real player in there, and he's shown it in flashes, but I can't want to see it more consistently. Final one to, to end this podcast. Like I said, it's been a bit all over the place. Uh, state of play of Aston Villa squad yeah. in, the, in the January transfer window. Uh, so I wanted to kind of get your crystal balls out and look ahead to the end of the summer window instead. I've asked you to look yeah. ahead here to a silly amount. But, you know, like we mentioned, in the, I think in the previous episode about how summer 2020, we saw that kind of new you know, starting 11, Martinez, Cash, those kind of players that have come in, Watkins as well. Um, you expect Villa to have a, a pretty sizable transfer window in the summer, if not January as well. So how would Villa look after summer 2022? How many of the current squad are still around? Have you upgraded Tara Mings? Is Target still in there? Is McGinn still around? Do you know what I mean? Like these long-term changes. Who Who's kind of left, do you think? Um, you look at your, your undroppables at the moment. I think Emmy Martinez, Matty Cash, Kansa. I think Mings sticks around. Target will be probably, probably back up or... I think back backup option midfield. Jared Lockhart McGinn. I think McGinn's here to stay for a while. So on that long term contract, twelve months ago, Bruce Ruiz is an interesting one. I know Pat just went on about him then. Eighteen months left on his contract. I didn't get the chance to ask Gerard about him today. Douglas Ruiz. What, what, what does he think of him? Is he a long term player for Villa? He's only twenty three, like we've mentioned. I yeah. like him a lot. I think there's, there's, the ceiling's massive with him. I like to see him stick around. I think Marvellous sticks around. Santon will be interesting to see how Santon gets on from now until the end of the season. Still up in the air whether that one's working or not. A lot of promise there. I think Gerard, Gerard likes him as well. And then you look at the, the attacking positions. I think Jacob, well, obviously Jacob Ramsey sticks around. Gerard, Gerard loves him as well. You start the Bertrand Trorais, the Trezor guys, El Ghazis. It's an uncertain time for them at the moment. I think they've, they've, got, to, they've got to win Gerard around over the next four, four months. Um... And we'll see where we go from there. And I think Watkins and Ings probably stick around next season as well. There are lights up front. Um, but like you said, I think I think they'll be, we're in for a big summer. There'll be a few going. I think Gerard will be backed handsomely by the owners to go at it full hammer next season for those European qualification spots. I think as it stands now, looking at the table and the points difference, it might be too too short, too big an ask to get to seventh or sixth. Do you know what I mean? I think it's too big an ask. Hmm. Um, the best way to do that this season probably go out and win the FA Cup if they can do that but uh, summer huge summer it's interesting that Gerard went on, went on and spoke at length about that 
in the press conference just now. He said it's massive for us. I can't wait to get 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 amongst them. Have six weeks, seven weeks together, four or five friendlies, and really put our stamp on the club. Because he said I've been learning on the job. I've been learning in games. I've been learning at training. I've joined in November, mid-season. Not ideal. Mm. He's, he's had the last eight weeks to assess the squad. He's got a little mini window now to to add to it. Um, but summer's it'll be a summer of change. That, that's the way I'll put it. Big summer of change. And Gerard would be the man to totally lead us back into Europe. Uh, in terms of this window, I can see signing like a, a stopgap, just backup centre-half. I think we mentioned Conor Goldson in the last one, didn't yeah. we? Just like a, mm. a bit of backup. But then in summer... I think we can see like a big investment in like a what Gerard views as his centre back for the future, the one in his his mind. And once again, that adds to the pressure. Someone to compete with Tyrone Mings or Konza, but I can't see Konza getting dropped. So it would be the one competing with Tyrone Mings if they wanted to go in a different direction. I know he mentioned that he wasn't going to change the captain when he came in, but that kind of screams to me that he's not like overly sold on him. I know he stepped up his game since his arrival, but. Yeah. It kind of kind of like hints to me that he weren't. He's not completely sold on Mings as of, as of right now. So I think in terms of big summer transfers, I think the centre back position would probably be the big summer one for me. We've not had obviously besides Jack Grealish, we've not had somebody come looking for our players for a good number of years. If a big bid comes from Arsenal for Watkins, for example, or I don't know Liverpool for Ajax or something, then obviously that affects things as well. But hopefully those players stick around for an, another year or two. Or longer, mm-hmm. obviously, we add to it, and uh, as Matt Smith says, the main difference from 2021 to 2022 is we'll have a Champions League squad by the end of that summer. Uh, so that'll be lovely. Uh, Ash, thank you very much for your time this afternoon uh, for doing this podcast. There's loads we've gone through, and, and loads more we probably still could talk about. But you know, these things change so quickly that a lot of the things we could, we're talking about could be out of date in the, a couple of days. Anyway, uh, obviously, we play Man United on Monday in the FA Cup. Uh, are you going to that, Ash? Yeah, I'll be up there. Um... Back up there, yeah. Um, good memories early this season as well. Courtney Horse yeah. hammering home the header. Um, I hope we can do it again. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Monday night, five to eight kickoff, is it? So, um, yeah. yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, next podcast will be after that, uh, probably the Tuesday morning. We'll react to hopefully being in the fourth round draw uh, after beating Manchester United. Um, and if we sign anyone before then, then I guess we'll do a, another podcast about that specific player as well. But uh, yeah, stay tuned to the Can't Be podcast for all your latest villa news. Pat, thanks for your time as well. Thank thanks you. for all the comments coming through. We, uh, we appreciate your input as ever. And we'll catch you again in a few days. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.